everybody welcome to the 345th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage uh here in beaverton oregon ready to talk about you know making our projections or predictions for this this draft that is happening very very soon i believe thursday so you know there's 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 only a few more days for us to make draft content so we better you know, make the best of it. So uh, I'm very excited to be talking with you. I know this is probably like the second to last draft podcast we have. We are T minus eight days until the 2023 NBA draft. And of course, we will obviously record our full first round mock draft, probably only an audio form this year with the little one around. I don't think totally fine with that. (laughs) I have the time to, uh, put it all together in WordPress form, sourcing images and format that, that, that is that, a, that's your shit. That, yeah. Yeah. That's I a would lot. Just write block of words. Even, even just better. writing the write-ups is, is a lion's share of work, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's definitely tough when you only get about an hour to yourself a night and, you know, and sometimes you just want to read or sometimes you just want to zone out and sometimes you want to, um, you know, watch TV or sometimes you just want to go to bed early or sometimes the baby just like, F that I'm just going to wake up. So um, definitely we'll do a, th- a first round mock, but audio and YouTube uh, only. And reels. Don't forget the reels. All right, real boy. You got it. Doug, I, I don't know why this, like, I guess, I guess I'm admitting it here, but like when, when I see that our reels get like numbers, I'm like really emotionally happy that people are watching. Like, it it should I should not as a thirty two year old man feel this way, but I'm like oh, numbers. <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, no. So I, I I enjoy I enjoy cutting them up. All right, where do you want to start with this one? I feel like this is our picks and prospects or predictions and prospects episode. We're gonna each make some bold predictions, use each other as a sounding board to see how how they work. Um, so what we think is going to happen on draft night. And we'll also we'll discuss uh, at a high level, a few prospects that we like at pick number 23. I feel like 23 gets um, overlooked co- considerably, um, especially with Portland moving up to the three spot, but they also have pick 43. Um, they're doing a ton of workouts and, you know, we've covered a wide, wide variety of prospects in our, in our future Fridays. Um so I think we need to discuss some of those players that we each like at 23. Um, and I think it really depends on the direction the team wants to go, depending on who I would select. But there's a I've got three names in mind. Um, where do you want to kick it off, Sage? I bombarded you with trade scenarios last time. Do you have some predictions or questions that you want to send my way? And then I can uh, bounce them back to you. How do you want to see this roll out? This was your this was your wonderful idea, and I'm just along for the ride. I think we should talk about the trades that potentially could happen during the NBA draft or trades that could happen to like bolster somebody's war chest to make that big move to two or three. I think, I mean, there, there's no secret that New Orleans has been trying to get up to for Scoot Henderson. Shams brought it up on, uh, on, on his show. Brian Windhorse as well. And then I, 
there there's one New Orleans Pelicans guy that I trust more than anything, and all he has been talking about he 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 left Twitter for like two full years and is back talking about how much he loves Scoot Henderson. So it makes me think that people are really really seeing the value of Scoot Henderson. And from what he said, that the Blazers are unwilling to take Zion in a trade. Zion, if he's healthy, could be one of the best players in the league, but he's just never healthy. So that's that's a uh, that's an issue. But I think that, that never no healthy one... is not hyperbole, right? Think about it. Zion has been Zion has been a professional basketball player for four years. It does not feel like it has been four years since he has been drafted because he is not on the court. He has played a total of 29 games over the past two seasons. He has missed more games than he has played. This is a player that were. It's not even like a Joel Embiid situation or a Zadruna Subgowska situation where he where he's dealing with a certain injury to a certain part of the body and it's just taking time to heal. And you can kind of see the pathway back, even if it is risky. Zion is, there are a multitude of factors to put into play when you're considering adding a player like Zion Williamson. The first is you are committing major max money for the next five years to a player who is... 66285. Sage, I texted you that last night. 285. That is a goddamn defensive lineman who is jumping 40 inches in the air and compounding that with force and impact every time he lands. Like for me, if, if you're trading for Zion, you need to get a sign off that you're going to get a personal trainer with him. You're going to get a, a, a dietitian in there. He needs to shed 20 or 30 pounds because the human body is not made to be that big, that large, and have that much force every time, even if he's just running up and down the court. Like, that is so bad for his long-term prognosis in the NBA. You remember also, the Phoenix staff? Like, how they turned everybody into, guess who's on the New Orleans, like, guess whose medical staff New Orleans has? They have Aaron Nelson, the guy that's on the, that turned all of those Phoenix Suns into, you know, healthy bodies. If they can't do it with Zion, there's an issue and let's be real you also have to like question i think his motivation too sage like mm -hmm. he even said last year he was ready to play he just didn't feel like himself and i don't obviously i take mental health extremely seriously but we haven't heard really anything else into that he just said he wasn't feeling like himself so it's that that's interesting that you know, there there are some players out there like a DeAndre Ayton. Like, do these guys love playing ball or do they just like the mm. lifestyle that comes with it? And with a player-empowered league, they're now able to kind of push the boundaries as to when and where that they, they want to play. And I, I'm not saying that's either positive or negative. It's just kind of a fact of the matter in, in today's NBA climate. But, Sage, I want players that I, I don't, I would rather coach down a player than have to coach a player up energy wise. Like I want those mm -hmm. hyper. The Duke Zion is not the Zion, the NBA. No, I don't want to have to constantly be in a guy's ear motivating mm -hmm. him because he is a generational talent. He is a needle mover. He fits both timelines. He's everything you want, but the red flags are enormous. And we're not just talking about the weight. We're not talking about possibly the motivation. You have to also think about, He's been in the media for uh, some hairy situations. He's, you know, macking a little bit too hard and uh, getting caught. And you also have to kind of 
worry about, and you've told me this, his support system kind of runs him like a business instead yeah. of a family member. And would they be happy with him in Portland? Well, when I they think, probably I think want the, to see uh, him in New York. I think another big issue with Zion. So has his game developed at all? Because I feel like it's post up dunk. It's hard to dunk. develop when you don't play. True, but I don't see any added skill set. So he's just going to be in the paint the entire time. Where does Shady Sharp like when he plays? He's top ten player. Like he's yeah. that good. So like, yeah. that, but that, I don't, I don't see why... any developing skills in his game. Where's like any? He's just overpowering players and out jumping them. So I, I there is yeah, no he, added he definitely skill set. has a if he doesn't develop. He definitely is on that once he hits 30, he's going to fall off a cliff type of uh, projection. So there, there, there is a scary proposition there that you're only getting this production for so long. That was one of my takeaways when I, I was talking to you when you won the draft lottery in 2019. I was like, I would trade Zion, but the pick, I, I know everyone was stoked for him. And I was like, I'm sure he's going to be good, but there are certain players and you can throw a men Thompson into this mix. You can throw Scoot Henderson into this mix, John Morant. Russell Westbrook clearly, when you rely almost exclusively on your athleticism to get to where you want to be on the court and you don't have touch, uh, range on your shot, that significantly decreases the longevity of your peak production in the league. Whereas I think a guy like Jokic is going to be dominant for like another decade. That's why Steph is still dominant at what, 35 years old. That's why LeBron, he added a jumper. Like he still knows he can still keep the defense honest. But Portland even saw it with Gerald Wallace. All-star in Charlotte comes to Portland. Just an all right player. Really was never able to. Yeah, what happens when, I'm not even saying when he loses a step. What about when he's equal to the person next to him? What happens? I I think he's still a high level starter. He's just not that generational player. Like he's, he's so freaking good like i i'm not going to front like he is so freaking good the 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 burst the quick step the accelerate the acceleration at the weight at the force the he has everything you want physically athletically he has handle to like he is a skilled he is the closest thing we have seen to shaquille o'neal ever and i like i don't think we will see another zion williamson maybe in our lifetime like that is how unconventional and unique he is and why I can understand teams rolling the dice on just because of because of all of that. And if you also have to think if if you're Portland or Charlotte, you're a small market and you always want to buy low. So there is always risk in buying low. You never want to buy high. Portland has bought high on Larry Nance. They bought high on Robert Covington. Buying high is always the wrong way to go. Like you have to take a risk when you're going after these players and this is probably the only time he was ever considerably been on the market aside from being a free agent in five years, right? This is the only time New Orleans is probably at their wits end with, with dealing with this, the saga, this drama that they're just like, we've had enough. We want to move on. This is the only time that's going to happen. So while I personally would lean towards not going after Zion of all the names we've heard, Jalen Brown, Pascal Siakam, Mikhail Bridges, I would be most comfortable with Zion because of everything we've discussed. Fits both ceiling, the floor, fits both timelines. New Orleans was pretty much the best team in the Western Conference when he was healthy. Like, just an unstoppable force. Like, he and Shaden 
together would be bleak pass number one. Like the, everyone would tune in to watch the Portland Trailblazers. Your marketability goes up. You're selling tickets, your national TV, selling jerseys, merch. The arena is going to be sold out. I get it. Health, all things considered, I still probably pass. But if they do trade the number three pick and Scoot's on, on the board, I want Scoot, but I could live with Zion Williamson just because of everything we discussed, like these types of players just don't come to market. So what I I think that Zion, like it's tough because he just doesn't play. If he gave you 60 games a year guaranteed for the next five years, I wouldn't be on the market Sage. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, it's such, it's, 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 it's Sage. It's the ultimate roulette. You have all your chips. Do you put it on red or do you put it on black? It's literally a toss-up right now. Like, I I don't – that's just how uncertain it is. But I legit – like, adding – aside from, like, Wembenyama, adding Zion Williamson, if he's healthy, I get it. If if Greg Oden was healthy, I I, I understand that. That is the only path of all the realistic players that are available that I could see Portland contending for a championship next year just because of how – dominant he would be i could see him so being do you think, if he played i think one of the biggest things does griff have the balls to do it does cronin have the balls to accept it like i this don't, is a job defining decision for cronin if he if he takes it i think there's more pressure on new orleans oh absolutely and you don't want to sell low but you also you I, I was thinking about say I think about random stuff at night when I'm trying to fall asleep. And I was like, oh, the process sixers really it did work. They just drafted wrong. And one of the the people I talked about and I have inner monologues was Jalil Okafor in 2015. But Jalil Okafor, even after a year of being a little underwhelming, still had value, a lot of value. And there are rumors that Portland could maybe trade CJ McCollum for him when we, you know, we discussed that on the podcast. You know, should Portland do it like this is a high upside guy? You know, lottery pick, top three pick, you know, should should they do it? Portland didn't. Philadelphia clearly didn't. And what happened? Jill Okavor never improved, significantly decreased his value and was out of the league. So there's pressure on New Orleans because, yeah, he could return to form, but he could also not play and lower his value. And you're now stuck with that albatross of a contract. So this is maybe a get out of jail free card for New Orleans as well. So they're they're playing a little bit of roulette as well. Like what what number what what color do they want to put on their chips? Because they have a lot of stake. They have a lot of stake as well because they they're paying Bi a ton of money. They've got a lot of young prospects who are gonna want a lot of money coming up. Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Dyson Daniels, CJ's getting paid. DJ is getting massively paid. Um, and you're paying a bunch of money for Jonas Valanciunas. So you know New Orleans is a small market as well. Um, I, I think Jonas has, has to be part of. I I also don't think it's a it's a New Orleans, Portland trade. I think there has to be a third team, like potentially. But I also don't. If I'm Portland, I'm just offering like Nurk in the third pick. Like yeah. you're not getting more than that. You're not getting Simons. You're not getting future first. Like the third pick is like where I draw the line in the sand. Like and I'll I'll match salary. One thing to be uh, aware about is. Zion Williamson has a poison pill provision in his contract because he is set to kick in that extension. Uh, New Orleans can only take a back a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ran the numbers in the trade checker out on ESPN's trade machine. 
Use of Nurkic for Zion straight up works. Uh, anything, it, I'm sure Joe Cronin, salary cap experts, will be able to figure something out. But it's those 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 PPP contracts are very difficult to um, maneuver. But just we'll kind of sprinkle these maybe in throughout the show. But my bold prediction is uh, it won't. One more thing be- about Zion. One more thing about Zion. We saw that playoff games are a lot more difficult than regular season games, right? Zion only played a certain amount of pre uh, of regular season games. I listened to the uh, Doc Rivers podcast talking about Joel Embiid's health during these playoffs, and it makes me even less confident in Zion because if we're using Joel Embiid as the the example of health for a guy that's dealt with injury, I don't know well, how he well. handles. Yeah, I don't know how he handles it. So I. I I think he might be an awesome regular season guy, but I just don't see how he physically can stay healthy in a playoff series where one game equals three regular season games or two regular season games. Oh, I think you definitely game manage him. I think you play once a week max. Like in the regular season, he play him once a week in the regular season. Like, and he probably averages like 50 games. Like you have, you have to really until he gets his body into peak peak form um there's also a part of me that's like maybe portland is the exact place he needs to go like jordan headquarters are here it's low-key you got dame you know you got you don't have to be the guy like he's the savior in new orleans he's not the savior in portland dame is everything in portland um so part of me is like maybe maybe that's where he needs to be he is under contract so we can't force his way out he can't be like i'm i want to go to la i want to go to new york um so that, that will be interesting. But my bold prediction is it won't be Portland. Portland won't even get a chance, I think, to put an offer or even listen to offers from New Orleans. I think Charlotte is going to actually deal that number two pick to New Orleans for Zion Williamson. Michael Jordan uh, has been rumored to be putting the team for sale. Um, he may not if this comes to fruition. Obviously, Jordan is Jordan Brand. Zion is one of the faces of Jordan Brand. Uh, they would love to pair LaMelo with Zion Williamson. That, that franchise... Uh, is maybe one of the most depleted franchises in terms of postseason success. I don't believe they've ever made a conference finals. Uh, they've been so irrelevant for so long. The only thing they're really known for is their sweet teal and purple jerseys from the '90s. Like that—that's it's—it's it's, it's a sad state of business in, in Charlotte. Um, clearly, he played at Duke. Zion's from South Carolina. Uh, I don't know if it'd be good for him to stay in the South or not. But Charlotte has the two pick. They control the draft. Scoot Henderson will be available at the second pick. He may not be at the third pick. Um, I, I that's my prediction. I, I think so. They, both they, of our big predictions is Zion's probably getting traded, <laughs> but I, I think he's going to Charlotte, and I think that's going to significantly impact Portland's uh, negotiation and offers because I don't think the offers are there for Brandon Miller. Um, I think everyone wants Scoot. I think that should tell Portland something. Myself, like take this guy and run. But if Charlotte allows um if Charlotte takes Brandon Miller, I think they're the only team that's like super infatuated with him right now at the level of these type of offers. Like New Orleans isn't moving up for Brandon Miller, right? Like I don't think Toronto wants to move up for Brandon Miller. Like there's I'm sure people like him, but I I, I think Scoot you you mor- the- you mortgage your one of your superstars for Scoot. You don't for Brandon. So I think New Orleans could retool. They still have a really young, nice core. They have a ton of picks, so they they can figure it out. Um, so I th- I think Charlotte moves moves that that number two pick, and I, I think Zion goes to the Hornets. I think the Pelicans begin a 
small OKC type of rebuild where they uh, just generate a bunch of young players and picks and kind of go from there. But um, that's just me. I, I kind of get the sense that New Orleans has got to be frustrated with Zion and it doesn't seem like it's getting any better. I mean, you go back to when CJ was traded there and Zion doesn't reach out to him and he just kind of seems aloof and not interested or involved. I think they see this as maybe like a, a good ticket. Like I think that's good value getting Scoot Henderson for Zion Williamson. I think they're both like Duke Zion is something we didn't see in new Orleans, but Duke Zion is on that, you know, S tier first overall pick i don't know i think we saw duke zion for a bit i mean there's a reason he was a all-star and he was um almost all nba like no. he was so sage he was so good when he played again when he played like i remember watching him against portland and there's there's no stopping him he gets the ball and he just you know where he's going he's going left but he's bouncy he's got a euro he the double jump like he's duke just, zion was different bro effort it, defensively effort. yes offensively wise Probably. Duke Zion got out he's and still so rebounded good, out of his position, though. Like he's still so good. Get Duke Zion was different, bro. Trust me. I watched this this okay. this this Zion I will, I will, that I will, was in New defer, Orleans. I will defer. He was great. To you. He just didn't do the effort stuff. Like rebound out of his position, play defense. He was great. He just wasn't what that the that prospect was. So I think that both of them are S here. And if, you know, New Orleans is tired of them for all, all of these reasons, Scoot Henderson's amazing value. Not even good, amazing. Because I think that they're equally, like, Zion was like David Robinson, Tim Duncan level pick. Scoot Henderson's Derrick Rose. So, I mean, like, that it, it's both elite. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that, I think that Zion has is, is the is our big uh, <laughs> is the guy that's going to be traded at the draft or before the draft to uh to get Scoot. I don't think Ingram knocks the socks off of either Charlotte or Portland. Um, I said earlier uh, a couple weeks ago that he or Anthony Davis would interest me. I've cooled off on Ingram a bit. I would need more coming back. Um, he also has some health mm -hmm. concerns and durability issues, but he's not the level of talent that uh, Zion is. I do like that he's 25, so he fits closer to Shaden's timeline than Damian's while also being a, a all-star caliber player. Um, you could, again, yeah, we would have to knock Blazer's socks off with the picks to, if, if yeah. Brandon was the yeah um so that's that's where I'm at with New Orleans. Uh, obviously, I think the rumors are only going to heat up. Um, Sage, what, what do you think about Bradley Beal? Not on Portland, but Bradley Beal, the, the Wizards are going to work with him on finding him a suitor. Now, he has a no-trade clause, um, which uh, is asinine, but but he does. does He's only 29, Beal, bro. Does Beal, is Beal on the market help or hurt Portland's negotiations? I think it has work? to hurt it because, I, yeah, I mean, you have... Miami, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, they can just Boston, Boston. You can just trade less assets and get somebody that's like an 85% version and younger of a, of, of a superstar talent. So I think that it definitely hurts our negotiating power for potentially trading Damian Lillard. 
but yeah, it makes me Dame happy or that. trading Dame or even trading the three pick because mm-hmm. if you look at a team like let's say Chicago wants the number three pick or Toronto wants the number three pick and they're like oh Bradley Beal's available maybe we pivot and we go in that opposite direction and the assets that we would use for three we want to push toward towards Beal so I think having more competition on the market uh, negates Portland's power I also think having Charlotte open for business at number two significantly mm-hmm. negates their neg- negotiating and bargaining power. Um, so yeah, it's, it's more, there's more competition now. You're not the only lemonade stand on the block basically. Mm-hmm. And, and the other person's lemonade stand might be better because might be, yeah, might be a little cheaper too. It, Cause yeah, they have direct access to scoot. Hornets have to fuck up for us to be in business. <laughs> Cause I, I just, there's such a difference between Brandon and Scoot. So yeah, like I, I think if if New Orleans or Charlotte took Scoot, I don't know. Like I, I feel like the trade packages for three for Brandon or men is just insultingly bad. So it would be a better and more cost effective choice to go with the men instead of trying to trade it for like cents on the dollar. Since we've only had this high of a pick like three times in 50, 40 years, it's like, might as well take the young talent that has all the potential in the world and not get OG Ananobi for three or, or whatever it may be. But do you, where do you think Bradley goes? I, I think Miami or potentially like Milwaukee might be a might be a place where he doesn't have the assets. They gave them all up for Drew Holiday. It's interesting. What you know, what 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 do the Wizards want? Do they want young talent? Do they want picks? This is the first time they've really been open to hitting the, the reset button. Um, as is the case with like a potential dame trade with Beal. I think they sent him west, but also he has a, a no trade clause. So how how does that how does that factor in like it would be interesting to see, you know, where 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 does he fit in? Like Memphis, potentially. Memphis has got picks. They've got some young talent. I don't think he maybe wants to go to Memphis, but, you know, you could see him maybe be a, a vet alongside of John Morant. Like clearly that young core has stagnated uh, a bit. Maybe they have to keep him out east just because those are the teams willing to roll the dice. But it's it's so difficult because all of these teams, they want these players, but they they just don't have the the, the ammunition to, to go out and get it. Like, I don't see Brooklyn going after Bradley Beal. Philly, I'm sure. I don't know. Maxie and Beal is not a great backcourt either. Um, what What's Miami doing? Like, are you, having, are you having Jimmy as your point guard? Beal as your point guard? Like, again, it's hard when you're trying to trade for another 6-4 shooting guard. Um, you saw what Utah got for Donovan Mitchell. I I don't think the Wizards are going to get that for Bradley Beal. I think Utah was very smart and struck while the iron was hot and while teams were super desperate. I think teams saw how Cleveland and Minnesota faltered this year after giving up those Kings ransoms. And I I think those days are gone. Um, So, you know, credit Danny Ainge for kind of being a trailblazer in that um, aspect and just rebuilding the Utah Jazz nearly overnight. So it's much more difficult, um, but I do think it hurts Portland's uh, negotiation, uh, their their position. Um, Sage, do you think, what do you think Portland does? 
like the prediction wise draft night what, what is portland doing i th- i think zion is somewhere else and scoot henderson's off the board yeah i i don't yeah. i don't think scoot falls to three yeah which makes me very sad because i think he's a super duper yeah i don't think blazers get the I, I don't think Blazers get the opportunity to trade three for anything that's at all realistic for the value. And I think we take Ben Thompson. I think the Blazers make a trade and I think it's going to piss off both camps, the rebuild and the win now camps. I think it's going to be a desperation trade. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the, when is this for, I mean, Part of me is like, maybe they they surprise us all and they keep the pick. But we heard last year that they were literally trying to get OG and Anobi for, for Shaden Sharp. And that that's terrifying because they're trying to do something. They're trying to build around Damian Lillard. And had Masai Ujiri not asked for the world, we would be stuck with OG instead of Shaden Sharp and been in just a terrible position franchise-wise. wise. Like the grasp, I, I, you know, we all love Dame, but the grasp that he has around this franchise right now could be very detrimental. You know, if you give up this asset for a player and I'll even throw in Mikhail Bridges. I know a lot of people love Mikhail Bridges. I think he, I don't think he's more than a super duper role player. If I'm being completely honest, he's also 27 years old. Again, I'm not saying that's old by any means, but getting very close to the peak, like you're not really ramping up uh, to a peak. So, yeah, it's. I, I hope we don't do something dumb. I think we do something dumb, and I think the win now crowds will be like, "This isn't good enough," and the rebuild crowds will be like, "This isn't good enough." Um, I that's I, so Sage. I watch a ton of YouTube. I watch, you know, a lot of media personalities who cover the draft, who cover the league, especially those with no ties to Portland. So there's no bias there. I have yet to come across one personality that says it's a good idea to push the chips in and try to build around Damian Lillard. Like everyone says it's going to be a mistake. I tend to agree with that. I I don't understand why you're trying to. You're 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 not one piece away. This isn't a Buck Williams, right? Like we are so many pieces away. And then let's say you get Pascal Siakam for, for three. You also have to give up like Ant or or Nurk, and then like, like the 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 bench. Like, just even look at the bench. You're gonna have like Skylar Mays, Matisse Thybul, Drew Eubanks, Trenton Watford, Nasir Little. Look at the teams that are in in the in the finals and in deep postseason runs. Like, they've got legit bench pieces. Where's the Bruce Brown? Right there, there is no one even close to that level. Like, it takes depth to win right now in this parody driven NBA. And it's great that it's parody driven. And I know that's probably what's driving Portland's motivation to build around Dame. But when your assets are a couple of draft picks and two tradable contracts, and maybe the mid-level exception, that's not enough to overhaul a team in one off season. And you don't have the luxury of waiting three to four years to build that team because Dame's going to be 33 here in a month. So. I remember being so excited about the 2017 draft. We had three picks in the first round, so many great prospects. And I remember recording the podcast that that night we we put picked Swanigan and Zach Collins. And I remember just being so disappointed. You were upset. Like we just knew we had whiffed a huge 
opportunity for this franchise. I'm not going to go into details of who we could have picked because that's been talked about. But this is another pivotal point in the franchise. You have a chance to add a player who is probably going to help you at least a little bit next year. Nobody thought Shaden Sharp was going to be what he was, but that's that's what he was. He helped the Blazers when he was given an opportunity. But you're also going to not throw away a future where in three years when when Dame's kind of just a starter level player and you're saddled with another max contract, still paying Jeremy Grant, like now you're out of assets to help Shaden. And now, now we probably do, we're in this cycle all over again where it's like, how do we build around Shaden when we have nothing to go on? So again, I'm not, this is nothing to do with keeping or trading Dame. This is all about the number three overall pick because I, I, I get that Dame means more bat, uh, outside of basketball there's some intangibles there and also i don't think there are realistic offers out there like i, I don't think there are teams who want him that actually have the the necessary assets to package uh portland to, to go out and get him even if dame wants out like i don't think he's gonna demand out i don't think he's gonna hold out i don't think he'll sit out none, none of that stuff it'll it'll be a while if he does ask out for a team to put together a package so it has nothing to do with Dame in terms of trading or keeping him, but it has everything to do with putting the franchise ahead of his needs because I know he wants to win, but he also is a really bad judge of talent. Like he thought Jeremy Grant was a needle mover because he played with him on team USA. Jeremy Grant was very mediocre this year, especially after the new year hit. He just completely fell off a cliff and you're going to try and pay someone $30 million a year to grab you 4.4 rebounds per game. That's, that's not going to cut it. He also wanted OG Ananobi, who, again, was injured this season, has a history of injuries. We're talking about Zion not being being healthy. OG can't stay healthy. So we have to stop listening to Damian when it comes to roster construction. If you want his input, that's great. But And this isn't just talking out of my ass about, about Dame. Look at LeBron. They traded KCP, Kyle Kuzma, and a first-round pick for Russell Westbrook. That completely derailed that 2020 title team because he wanted to play with Russ and everybody knew that was a terrible fit, but they listened to LeBron because he was LeBron. Like at a certain point, you have to say, I'm the GM. I'm the expert here. You're the expert on the floor. I'm the expert when it comes to to scouting, to putting together these deals. I'll listen to you, but I'm not just going to go out and grab all your buddies that you like playing with. This is kind of, this is pretty pivotal on Cronin and his career too. Like if he, if he follows Dame's like what he wants, it's it's limiting his potential job, like his career. If he he screws up the Blazers so bad when they have the third overall pick, and then at worst Brandon Miller could be a two or three time All Star, so you have like a legit young guy that you know could be something special, and then you trade it for you know a mediocre role player or even a super duper role player, like I. I I think that Cronin has to think about himself and his higher ability for the other 29 organizations in the, the league. They don't want him to, you know, they don't want him to, you know, we followed up what we're, our star player wanted and it really fucked us up. Like that is not what you want when you're trying to hire in a very limited field of 30 teams. You can't, he has to have some self-preservation and be like, Dame, I respect you so much, but this is where we're going. And <laughs> this is a men Thompson is going to help you. Brandon Miller is going to help you. A is going to help you. 
he yeah not even at some point uh, he has to think about himself yeah not even self-preservation but in terms of maybe looking for another job but maybe just his own legacy like we all like being a gm i think is a different career than what 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 i do like it's so much more more visible and public and it's maybe not at the level of a head coach but it's a similar like you'll go down in the the history books of your franchise like did did you do great like neil olshay is forever scorned here in portland but you've got executives like bucky buckwalter and Stu inman who drafted like hell and and put together they were the architects of those early 90s blazers runs and they will be remembered very fondly here in portland so this is a defining moment of Joe Cronin waited so long. Like he's been here since like 2006, 2007. He's been here so long. And I give him credit for drafting Shaden Sharp. I give him credit for moving Josh Hart and getting actual compensation, draft compensation for him. I hope he just does the right thing for the franchise and not just to appease Dame. It, it, I I don't know what his risk tolerance and his balls are like this is where you get to uh, get to see what joe cronin is, is all about in this draft this third pick is where you get to see everything 20, this is where you make 20, your money this isn't an easy pick this isn't when Banyama number one this isn't even taking scoot at number two like if scoots off the board like this is defining legacy mm-hmm. right here like now the the you could say the player picked at 11 is going to be as good as the player picked at three. Are you going to pick the right player? Like this is like, once you get to the third pick, it's almost a little bit like a, a crap. Like, are, who are you going to pick? Like, what does your scout tell you? What does what your gut tell you? Are you going to, to select the player that that's going to do uh, the most? Um, yeah. The next pick is meaningless comparative to this three pick. There's so the much more pressure with the yeah. top pick. Yeah. So like, yeah, th- this is where he is going to define himself as a as a basketball mind. Like Shaden Sharp was great, but who in that in that in that scenario, Shaden Sharp, if you watched if you were involved in draft content or drafting last year, Shaden Sharp was basically the only decision they had. That was an easy pick. I mean, yeah. especially with Indiana taking Benedict Mather. Exactly. So uh, at six, he, and he was kind of like, distance. "Oh, well, this is the next best option. Who has the highest ceiling?" Like, yeah, it, it doesn't. I'm even... not opposed to trading the third pick. I'm not opposed to winning w- with Dame. I, I want our listeners to 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 fully un- understand that. Like, I am not opposed to that, but it has to be for a position of need and a a legitimate needle mover. Like I continuously see people trying to add DeMar DeRozan or Jalen Brown. And if you're truly making Shaden Sharp or even, you know, you see just like mock rosters and they say, oh, we're still going to run Ant back at the two and Shaden's going to come off the bench. Like th- that can't happen. Like if, if you're already telling teams that Shaden Sharp is untouchable, then he needs to be the starting shooting guard and you need to give him some usage so he can show off what he did over those last 10 games. And you need to find a player at the three, four or five that is a legit needle mover that those players that's that's just why i don't think it's realistic now if the lakers called you up and say hey we want the third pick we'll give you anthony davis you say yes as soon as physically possible and now you're cooking with something so i do think if cronin gets that offer you absolutely take it even if scoots on the board i'm taking anthony davis like i would love to see dame win a title 
yeah, I, I see your face there. I, I know you would want Scoot. I think that type of player, and I saw it in the postseason, Anthony Davis was dominant. Only only Jokic in the West was was better than than him uh, that, that postseason run. And I think you could win with him because of what he gives you, positional versatility playing the four or the five. He rebounds the ball. You can, he doesn't have to be the alpha. Dame can be the alpha. You can run some, you can do some amazing uh, action with, with he and Lillard. Uh, he's still somewhat young. He still has got more, more, more peak, more runway. Like Anthony Davis is the guy, but he is not available. And there's just no other really play. Like Jokic is not available. Like those players that could turn Portland into a contender with one move, they're not there. And I don't think Portland has enough to say, okay, well, well, let's go get Mikhail Bridges and then let's go find, you know, X, Y, and Z. Like that's just, that's not feasible. That's not possible. They don't have the resources. They don't have the financial, you know, you just don't, you can't do this financially. You have to win. As you saw with Denver, Denver signed Bruce Brown to the mid-level exception, right? They drafted Christian Brown. They they signed Jeff Green to pretty much a, a veterans deal. Like they found guys at the bargain bin. Christian Brown was Christian Brown was was taken late in the first round. Not many players, not many teams wanted Bruce Brown. Like they went out and they said, okay, we have committed ton of money to Jokic, Gordon, Murray, and Porter Jr. We can't we can't go out and get a big fish. We we have to find pieces to, to fit. That's what what Denver what was able to do. Portland is still trying to find their other big fish, and then they're also going to have to try to find these other players because the bench. I love Watford. I love Little. They are not contending players right right now. They could develop into it, but but right now they're not players that I think you can say we've got them on our bench. We are so excited. We're going to make a, a title run. Uh, they can be seventh eighth players off of the bench. Portland. Where has would so- where would Trenton Watford be on the the Nuggets? Would he be on the bench? Would he be in the rotation? No, not not a finals rotation. They only went like eight deep. No. Yeah. So, like, if our seventh man wouldn't crack a playoff team's rotation, our bench isn't that deep. Sage Matisse Thibel was basically kicked off the Philadelphia 76ers. They said, We don't even want this guy. He used to be first team all deep. Yeah. But I said, We're be a and the starter i mean that that the the gap and and so we could 80 or I, I that's why i'm like full on let's build through let's build through this draft let's become what okc what utah um have done because mm. they're they're gearing up like the west in three or four years will be dominated by by those teams is Cronin does Cronin have the guts to do to to build sustainably? Because Neil O'Shea absolutely did not have the guts to build sustainably, and he wanted, I I guess, sort of flashy trades. But it, I don't know. He he kind of had that Dell Dumpsism where he uh, wanted young veterans to to uh, to be the uh, hit the building blocks. I think the most sustainable way of building is having young players that are paid $4 million do the work of a $12 million player and have them develop and inspire and empower them to be great. So it's a very difficult thing for the 
for the Blazers to be in. And I really do hope that he stays the course and builds sustainably and not try to make a, a panic trade where you trade the third pick for pennies on the dollar. Because I think that that is off, awful risk management. And I think that Cronin is just better than the panicking. But again, we don't really know him that well. But I think that he is conscious enough to really make a uh, make a good move here. And just if the trade isn't there, you take the pick. And then you get a Men Thompson or you get Brandon Miller or you get. I wasn't going to say Cam, but I don't think that's good value at all. So it's one of those two guys. And you build sustainably and you develop and hope a man meets the, that ceiling. I just I, I think that Cronin is just more self-aware than uh, to just allow panic to set in. Like, I remember the first thing he said when he got here was I was built for this. Well, if you're built for this, this is where you prove it. And you get us men Thompson if Scoot's not there. My other bold prediction, Anthony Simons is traded on draft night. For? I think he goes to Orlando. For six? I, it's going to be, I think, it could be for Wendell Carter. It could be 11. Um, John Isaac could come back in that deal because, mm. I know, I, I, I agree. It's salary match at, at, at best, but it would, um, allow it, would Orlando, it would allow Orlando to keep their cap space. Um, that's my prediction. Um, Sean Hyken, uh, who writes for the Rose Garden Report, I think is probably the most dialed in local journalist covering the team. Basically, was tweeting the other day that when when asked, Cronin and Billups both walked back any sort of sort of sentiment that. Shaden and Amphrony could could play together. Um, they've already seen what Shaden and Damian can do. We've already heard reports that that Shaden is completely off the table in any of these trade talks. So you have a player making twenty five million dollars who you don't think could play with your two best players. Uh, just, just reading the tea leaves, I, I think draft night is going to be the best time to to do it. And obviously, he's from the Central Florida area. Orlando is desperately looking for a, a lead guard. If uh, Asar is gone, I think this trade happens. Like if Detroit goes Asar Thompson, who where does Orlando go, Norm? I mean, I I, I don't I think Anthony helps them more than Asar Thompson, just because of how they're built with Paolo and Franz. Like I don't see either of those guys as a five, even in a small ball. So I think those are your forwards. Uh, I don't see Asar as a point, and I don't see him as a two. Um, Again, I think they, that's where we disagree because I I think of his ball handling, but, sure, a ball handler. But I, I still don't think his shot is good enough to no. play in the backcourt. I, I mean, the two things that I wanted to that I want for the Blazers is Scoot Henderson at three, and traded to Orlando for six or Jarris Walker. I mean that those are the two. That those are if like that happens, that's a perfect draft. But if we can get if we could trade. And for the pick that gets Jarris, I would be unbelievably happy because I I think Ant fits that team what they need. They need a pull-up three-point shooter in the worst way. They need a combo guard that can handle the ball and make Markel Fultz have less responsibility with this team. They could wait another year to replace Markel. 
and Ant could be a really good player for that team. I would really appreciate six on the way back so we can get, you know, the first high level post player we've had in many, many years. I mean, since Lamarcus Aldridge left, there hasn't been a good young post player on our team. So like that to to potentially trade Ant for six would be I would be a co- total Cronin stand if we use that pick for shares. Or Ant gets packaged with the three and it brings back a super duper role player. I, I think one of those one of those happens. I I'm too cynical to believe that the Blazers will will end up with a men or scoot. <laughs> man, maybe my man crush for Jairus is just too much, but it, it, Ant for Jairus just makes sense in my my heart. Oh, make, it make, it make, we're talking about predictions not making sense. <laughs> my heart and mind would be very, 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 very happy. My other prediction, I think the Blazers actually use the 23rd pick. I think that pick is getting uh, overlooked. I think too many people lazily say, oh, you just give it to Chicago. Now you get all your picks back. I, I don't think they I think they value the 23rd pick in this draft more than um the 23rd pick in the 2024 draft, for example, that it's not supposed to be a super strong class. I, I, I think having something now is more valuable than having something in the future. Um, I think there are other ways to maybe get that pick back or just say, Hey, we think we're going to just going to make the fucking playoffs next year. And that pick's going to, we'll be able to, to utilize it next summer. We'll be able to utilize all our picks next summer. Right? Like, I don't think they would, I mean, they would essentially have just traded Josh Hart, say, hey, we're, we want to give out Josh Hart and we just want our picks back. I, I don't think that they view it like that. I think Portland actually keeps the, the 23rd pick. With that in mind, Sage, uh, let's each talk about three prospects, um, high level, that you like in that range. And, and, and I'll kick things off with uh, Connecticut's Andre Jackson. Um he is a, a player who played a pivotal role like Jordan Hawkins did in that national championship team for the Connecticut Huskies. Basically is a hyper-athletic, do-it-all defensive player, can make his teammates better. The knock on him is he, he can't shoot. And, and I I know we're talking about a lot of those prospects, but at 23, he just screams to me like ultimate glue guy. I watch him on tape and I'm just like, how is this guy even available at 23? Like, I know he's a little bit older, but I think he is going to be, you talk about like the Jay Crowders and the Udonis Haslam's and Draymond Greens of the world going later on in the draft or even undrafted a Wesley Matthews. He's going to be in the league for a very long time. I think he is the type of rookie that comes in and plays the Christian Brown role. Like he's getting finals minutes as a rookie. Like he does so many things like that. He doesn't care about offense. Like he'll, he's like, he's there just to grab his, uh, grab his lunch pail and go to work. Like whatever you need, he's going to do. He just finishes in traffic so well. I would love to see him out on the break. Like, I don't think his athleticism gets talked about enough. Um, he's just, I, a ferocious... I, I'm impressed by how in shape he is too. Yeah, He's just a ferocious player. Like mm-hmm. he's like, I mean, the the cliche has got that dog in him. He has got that dog in him. And I think if you get him at 23, you're, you're getting, you're bolstering your bench immediately with Andre Jackson. I love, I love Andre. I think that he is very skilled, has so many, has so much talent. I love him in transition too. I think he, I think he could make a lot of things happen in that transition game. 
setting up shade and setting up other players. I really, I would really love to have uh, Andre on our team. Just more skilled players on this team is very important. Obviously, my number one uh, guy for this pick, Terrence Shannon Jr., went to back to Champagne. Oh so my, twenty three for whoo! I had dog. I had him in yeah, but there's no way you would take him at twenty three. You would take him at forty three. I would have taken him at twenty. Oof. I had Doug. I had him at eighteen. I know, but he went back to school because nobody's... I know. But before he went back to school, he he would have been my pick if 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 I had grown into job, I would be like, we're taking Terrence Shannon at twenty three. So he's gone, and that breaks my heart. This guy might be better used for the second round pick, but since we're just saying guys that we like. Um, I've always been a fan of Kevin McCullers Jr. He, just like Andre Jackson, is one of those glue guys. High-level defender, really good passer, does everything right on the court. You can tell that both Andre and he are very well-coached players. With Bruce Brown's play in the finals, I think teams are seeing that guys like Andre, guys like Kevin McCullers, Bruce Brown, even Mittens. That is a very good role of, you know, guy that does it all but has some issues with scoring. I think Kevin McCullers in that Bruce Brown role is going to be just like uh, Andre that's a 10-year-plus player that, you know, has his moments in the finals guarding, you know, whoever the next Steph Curry is. So for me... Kevin McCullers isn't a 24 or 23 pick, but he definitely should be thought of as a second round guy. I, I It's just one of those. He's a star in his role, has known his role for a very long time. And I've just been a fan of what he can do on the defensive si- side of the ball. I mean, can't put him at the power forward for a lot of clutch minutes this year. And he did a damn good job at like a six, three guard doing that thing. I mean, it's just like when we talked about uh, Gary Payton, his, he, he might not be the biggest guy, but his heart is the biggest and he's the Sam Mills of the court. So I, I think Kevin McCullers is, is worthy of being an NBA player. And I think he's worthy of, uh, of uh, being a gym player that, that that we're talking about. I also really like Jaime Jaquez from UCLA. Older prospect again, ready to help out now. I've compared him to a small forward version of Kelly Olenek. Really good at everything. Not elite, not super fast, not super athletic. Footwork is out of this world. Super high feel for the game. Hit a jump shot. I, I think you can size him up, size him down. I think he has no problem fitting into any role that you want to have. Again, I think he is the type of player that's getting minutes in the finals. He's going to elevate the basketball IQ of your roster. Um, Again, you're talking about another player that you don't have to coach up. Like he's going to be ready to go every single day, even in practice. Um, It's pretty, pretty fun to see him starting to move up in the draft because like I've been high on him since we started doing this future Friday uh, content earlier in the winter. And it's like, oh, now people are starting to realize like there's value in taking older prospects here. Um, especially if you don't think there's a legit upside swing, like if you don't think there's a, a, a Nicholas Batum type of upside swing here, uh, 
type of guy that Portland took back in 08 when he's kind of an unknown fr- uh, Frenchman. If you're looking to bolster your bench, like this is a great cost-controlled way of doing so. Did you um, like him last year? I thought he got better this year. Uh, no, no, the jump, the jump was huge. Did you think that he was an NBA? No, I didn't. I didn't think he was going to make the NBA last year. Yeah, but he he the really. Jump was big. I think uh, Johnny Juzang moving on allowed him for a bigger role um, mm-hmm. under Mick Cronin's uh, system, and you know, I I just I'm I'm impressed by. I think there's value in older older prospects. There's less immaturity you have to deal with there's just a a no-nonsense attitude like i think there's value in high floors especially when you're taking that in the 20 knows that he is not going to be a superstar in the league he knows what his role is he knows what he's going to have to do to stay on the court like it's a high he has high iq knows where to be i don't particularly think that he's athletic in any means so he just has to use his brain to you know anticipate where things are going to happen so he can good be in good position but i believe that he has the the iq to do that i wouldn't personally i wouldn't want him at 20 23 but i definitely could see that he would be a uh, very good like eighth ninth man on a team that empowers him to be good here's one of the i i, I really like maxwell lewis from pepperdine but there was a lot of issues that his team just sucked complete ass. So it was one of those, like, I see this guy, three-level score, not the best defender in the world, but he can score on every single level offensively, but he is not generating wins in the West, in his division. But when I look at him, it's just like, I see an NBA player in him. He just got really screwed by uh, playing where he did. But, I mean, playing on the beach in Malibu has to be pretty damn cool. So I I think Maxwell Lewis, he might need some bulking up and he might need a lot. uh, He might need some coaching. But I think if you empower him, you have a three-level score that can get his own shot. He's been, he he has a lot of skills offensively, but he just has to buy in, bulk up, and probably spend some time in the G League. And now that we have a G League team to help help him out, I think that if we can get somebody like him that can put buckets on the the court, we're we're dying for bench scoring. I think Maxwell Lewis could be somebody that at twenty three is a pretty good value and can help us win some games. My last player, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to throw together three qu- really, really quick, really quick players. Two if you're going upside, one if you want to uh, get a more of a traditional ready-made guy. The ready-made guy, even though he's a freshman, I really like Jordan Walsh from Arkansas. Um, Do you think his lack of shooting is a serious issue? No, he's fresh. I think that is he officially that. in his, his wingspan is crazy. Like I am a sucker for a good wingspan on 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 a perimeter defender. Whenever I watched Arkansas, he was just making he the stood, he plays. stood out, man. He, he stood out. Uh, if you're going upside, um, I love Ray and Rupert uh, mm-hmm. from the New Zealand Breakers. He's another young Frenchman who compares to uh, who we could peek out at a Mikhail Bridges type of player. Obviously, would need to spend time in the G League. Um, but with getting Poo Jeter to uh, run that organization, I'd feel comfortable with that. 
Then there's a, a center who plays for Barcelona, James Naji, a uh, seven footer who from the little I've seen has been intriguing enough that I would be happy with him at 23 as well. There's just not, I was reading, reading or watching something, but like, there's just not a, it's not a traditional center draft. Like no. that's why Derek Lively is moving into the lottery in a lot of these discussions, because outside of Lively, there's just not that rim running defensive minded big in this draft. And so Najee is probably the the other one on the board and Portland could see a lot of value in nabbing him at 23 because I mean, they've needed a center for the longest time. Um, I guess when maybe since like Robin Lopez or, you know, pre-injury Nurk. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely see it. I, I just don't know if this is the proper year for us to invest a first round pick in a center. Maybe, maybe find one off the scrap heap. <laughs> but I don't think there are any in the scrap heap. That's what I'm saying. Like it's, it's a position, like it's not as valuable as, as it used to be, but also like the talent level at center just isn't there. Like I'm, I, we can't have Drew Eubanks be getting as much usage as he's getting. Like, it's just, it's not winning basketball. I know he's from yeah. Oregon state and Troutdale and, he dunks the ball, but he chases every Damn, single block. He's he super falls for every pump fake. He tries his ass off, and I appreciate the hell out of that. But he's not getting minutes if you're looking for a playoff contending team. Like at 23, if you want to do take the upside, I I would I would be fine with, with Najee just because like like you have to like sooner or later address that issue. And if you're giving up picks next year, I'll, you know, telling mm-hmm. Chicago, hey, we want our picks back, and you're you know, saying fuck all with that. And you're getting rid of him there. Nurk's not getting any younger. Like sooner or later, you have to address this elephant in the room, which is who's going to play the five. I think that we are, we were missing the highest. I'm looking at uh Tangathon's mock. I think that you and I have neglected to say the most uh, high ceiling player in around where we're picking. I think Gigi Jackson has to be, the highest upside guy out of all of them high upside but uh, there's too many red flags there for, absolutely for my, for but my liking. you got to see what he can do at south carolina with just a ton of usage and like you got to see that he has he has skills in the facing the basket that was the phrase that i was having trouble thinking of his face-up game as a power forward is really good I wish that he would go back to college and develop more, have all those high usage rate games in South Carolina again, but the face up game from a power forward with his size and skill. I take a, if he's there, I would absolutely take a risk on him because I think of all the players you mentioned, of all the players you mentioned, he's the player I'd be most upset at taking. I've just seen it too many times where it's a top recruit comes in and then they get drafted and they still think they're that top recruit. And they're not ready to be like, oh, you're low. He on the needs to get quarter. kicked in the nuts for sure. He needs but, his ass kicked. Yeah. Like he needs to be humbled from yeah. from everything that you know you've what he did on social media, like calling out his coaches. Like that's just such a bad and immature look. Like I I would be pissed if I was Dame just because I'm like, okay, if you want to take a 19 year old, that's fine, but they need to be professional, right? They need to come in and, and get to work. You, I I shouldn't have to coddle you and get you get you motivated and get you going right like there's there's got to be some form of like i may be 19 but i'm here to like to kick ass and i'll do whatever you need but if you come in like entitled i just i i think sure that all of our i mean i think gg goes in the second round that that's my another prediction prediction maybe 
I, I I just look at what I would take him at forty three though. If he's there at forty, I would take him at forty three. I think that's a risk. I would take at forty three. I I'm looking at what he can do on the court. I you know I don't the only college player that I really pay attention to on social was AJ Griffin, and he wasn't good on the court though either. Like he was just like it was a rough year for him in South Carolina. Yeah, but you got to see you got to see flashes of brilliance in the uh, in the uh, on, on the court. You you saw flashes of brilliance, even those though those are it wasn't always all. my. Those are like the prospects I tend to stay away from in terms of like, if he would have been a little bit more dominant and maybe had those issues, like, okay, but it just re- reminds me of like players like a Harry Giles, whether you factor in injuries or or whatnot, but you get these like top, top five guys that come in and they show a little bit, but they don't show what Paulo showed or, you know, they don't, didn't, didn't show that level of, of dominance. They didn't even show maybe what like an RJ Barrett showed. And it's like, okay, you're trying to take this massive ups. Like, I just, I can't remember the last like massive upside swing, like late in the lottery or late in the draft that has panned out. Like, I just needed to to see a little bit more. I the talent is there. Like you're mm-hmm. not lying there. The talent is there. I just think there's a lot of work and ass kicking that needs to be done. And I don't know if Portland's the place, um, to work all of that out. Yeah. No. I I'm just. This is a talent play, not a team fit play. I mean, if Chris Murray's anywhere in this range, I think Chris Murray is the preferred pick. But if we're swinging upside at 23, you can do worse than a very skilled power forward. But. All right, Sage, do you have any more predictions uh, for me before we wrap this one up? All right. What was that? Sorry. Do you have any predictions for me before we wrap this one up? I, mm, I think we take our third pick. So that's my prediction. I think Blazers use three. And get him into Opsa. That's my prediction. What's your other predictions with with Ant with twenty three? Oh, I I think I think Ant is on Orlando, and I will be very happy if we have Jairus Walker on this team. I think Ant. You Orlando. really you. So I know this is what you want, but you really think the Blazers are going to come back post draft with two lottery picks? I again, I know this is what you want. It's what I want too. <laughs> I, I I think that's pie in the sky. Like if I'm being it depends how much Smits is involved in. Yeah, I'll give you that decision making. If Smits is, if they really, they're paying one of the best draft analysts to, to look at these picks. I don't think it's crazy that, Jaris Walker and Amen Thompson are on on this team next year, but he has tried. to be his opinion has to be valued. Yeah. And I, we 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 obviously don't know what the hierarchy of decision making is on this team. But if Smits has his his way, and I know that he liked Jarris when he was at uh at high school, I think Montbird. Yeah, I think it was Montbird. Academy. Oh, is that damn? I knew it was one of those two. He was playing with Jet and uh Deontay, if I remember right. Um I think if he has his way, I think we get those two. I think Portland again tries to thread the two timelines. I think they'll make some form of a, a vet trade to get Dame some help, but I do think they'll end up with I think they'll end up with a lottery pick. I don't know who it's gonna be, 
Um, I hope it's not like a 13 from Toronto and that means we're giving up three. Um, but I, I could definitely see them trading three, but also then trading ants and getting like six back. Um, so you get your player, then you also get your, your, you know, top 10 picks. So I, I think they're going to continue tr- walking this, this fine line that may, may sooner or later combust in their faces, but that's, that's what I get. I don't think they're ready to move off of uh, Lillard just yet. And, but I also don't think they want to just mortgage the entire future because I don't think that Anthony Davis type of player uh, is available. And I don't, I, I hope they don't overpay for a player. I hope they don't get like a DeRozan or a Levine or an Ananobi, some, somebody that's not going to. Someone with knee injuries that is that it relies on their athleticism. Yeah. I, I hope they, I hope if, if they do make a trade, it's for a position that can actually play with Damon Shaden. Compliments. I feel like Demar might be the worst. Demar Demar's a terrible. That's just like I, I see that and I just I roll my eyes because it's it's the worst possible fit. And he's only being mentioned because he's buddies with Dame. So that's um what's frustrating uh about that. But it's Sage, nothing would really shock me. It wouldn't shock me if Scoot's there and they take him. I genuinely believe that they want to take Scoot. I genuinely believe they think he's generational talent. I think Charlotte's probably starting to get wind of how many other teams think that. And that's why I think they trade the two pick and it gets Portland um, doesn't give Portland the opportunity to draft Henderson. But I also do believe that they probably really like a men or, or Miller. Like, I think they truly value this pick. Has um, Brandon come? Brandon has not. I, uh, so it's he and Jarris are the only two. Yeah. Sean Hyken believes that uh, Brandon Miller will be, will be in this week. Cam what Whitmore is in today. Jarris. Um, so Yeah. Jarris, Jarris, Anthony Black, and Taylor Hendricks, Grady Dick. Those are the ones that have not made their way to uh, Portland. Yeah. And I know Cam's here today. So I, I'm i just hoping that we take <laughs> – I'm hoping that we make that trade for Ant and then get get three. I, honestly, I, it just makes so much sense. Like, it, if we do that, Cronin means business. So yeah, I'm hoping that he game. I'll take I hope that he matches our season. energy and and means business and does what needs to be done and is ready to make those difficult decisions. Yeah. Sign me up for another Dame in the kid season. Yeah. As long as we get to develop our, our talent, I, I am fully aware there's not a Dame trade out there. And I don't think you just trade him just to trade him. Um he means more to the franchise mm. uh than that. But I also wouldn't trade this asset just to appease him either because you can't mortgage the future on on a, a losing, 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 you know, losing team that's just doesn't have a chance. Um, but I think that wraps it up. We'll be yep. back. Um, I think we'll still try to squeeze in a future Friday of Scoot Henderson, and then we'll definitely do our full thirty pick first round mock draft uh, before the draft. Hopefully, that'll come out next Tuesday, so it'll have a couple of hours and days to breathe before the actual final show on Thursday. Um, Time feels like it's molasses right now. It's going slow. I'm super excited for the draft, but I'm also super terrified. Yeah. Um, it could be something where you just you get so excited and then you're trading two picks for Robert Covington. Like that's bro. Um, I part this could be a great day or the worst day. Like it really could. I, I still get triggered by writing so goddamn much about that draft class and then it being all for naught 
that still triggers me because that was what we do here with the future Fridays and all of the corresponding content is kind of like exhaustive draft research that we have to put in hyperdrive other draft analysts they're they might be doing like something for their team but they probably are spending way more time than us trying to think do these these picks like they're going to games in the the start of the year we're working you know we're we're working with a, a disadvantage cuz we have to talk about the blazers for the first part until it's abundantly clear that we need to shift so it, it it's it's a very exhaustive lot of work but honestly i feel way proud of what we've done in the last 2 years with this with these segments and i feel like it meant something to to people that that listened and so i'm very happy with it we have a few more podcasts left to do and then we'll definitely be real here quick, real about quick the draft. real quick i'm going to i'm going to bombard you in 10 seconds or less tell me what would make you the most happiest on Friday morning, and what would make you the most devastated on Friday morning? Like happiest is Scoot and Jarris. Okay, like that. That that's like perfect. Okay, okay. Time's ticking. Yeah. What's devastating? Trading it and not trading Amp for Jarris. So, like any super duper role player that you want to name, trading three for that, and then not getting a first round pick, and then using twenty three for somebody that's high potential. So like. GG or something. All right, I'll go really quick. Most elated would be Scoot. Second most, Amen. Basically, just keeping the third overall pick. Most devastating, trading Ant and the three for Pascal Siakam. Fair and enough. also, or maybe DeRozan or Levine, or just significantly underselling that three pick. So yeah. uh, that's what oh. would uh, make me cry. I could, I could cry happy tears or sad tears, but I think it's been a great podcast. We are running long. Uh, lunchtime pod is over and out you know where to find us sage yep. thank you again for mastering this this podcast and we will be back again soon Peace. wherever you may be this is bill shinley good night everybody let's go, let's go.